sure this is on. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do. Uh, we just thank you for uh, promising to be with us here this morning. You, you promised that where just even two of us are gathered, you will be there in our midst, making your presence known. And, and we just thank you that you are here this morning. Um, even as uh, the Old Testament says, you are in the company of the righteous. And, and we just thank you that you're here this morning. I pray that you would um, just kind of have a direct channel to each one of our lives here, each one of our hearts. pray you would open the uh, open our ears to hear from you, Lord, and um, God, do whatever is needed in that. Un- un- uh, unplug our ears if that's needed. God, uh, turn down the volume of things that might distract us from hearing from you. We do pray that we could hear from you this morning um, and that this time would be your- worth your while. Um, but we just we just want to commit this time to you. Thank you for how you're, you're leading this church. Um, we thank you for the plans that you have for us, uh, things you're, you're doing uh, in our midst. We just thank you. We look to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, let's see here. Uh, some of you might, might know I was uh, traveling <coughs> this last week. Uh, my family, we left after church and went to uh, Omaha. There was... Uh, kind of missed the celebration, but there was a celebration for Grandma Whitney. Uh, her, it was her 80th birthday, so Morgan's grandma. So, but she was, still, she was still partying by the time we got there, so uh, we, we saw her on Sunday. Uh, the party started Saturday, so it was kind of cool. But, uh, um, and then from there, we, we stayed with my family out there. Morgan and I celebrated our anniversary trip. We had an anniversary back in September, but we kind of put off a little celebration until... Uh, uh, we were out in Omaha, left the kids with her family, and, and that was cool. We did um, shopping. Shopping was something that we did on our anniversary. It was fun, fun for all of us. Um, I think uh, I caught a cold on my way out of here, so whatever was going through, working through some of the households there, I picked it up and uh, took that with me to Omaha. And then uh, my my kids picked up whatever was going on. They, they got the flu, whatever was going around Denver, they got it, worked through our family. And then we got to Omaha. They picked up whatever was circulating through there. So we're, we're past the H1N1. I think we're on to the H1N2 now. So um, we'll see what's next. But anyways, they're, they're at home. Some of them are still recovering there this morning. But uh, anyways, as a part of my trip to Omaha, I took a little side trip uh, out to Chicago. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, I was out in Chicago for a, a meeting they're calling the Asia Interfaith Meeting. It's where uh, people throughout our... Uh, association, well, you know, uh, mostly in the U.S., where have connections into Asia, and so we've heard reports of what's going on there. We were real close to. Some of you might know we were real close to sending a mission team last summer to Asia, and it, we were just a little, a little behind the ball. We got started too late for that to actually happen. But um, so I went there to just see what's going on, and we had reports from different people in our movement that are doing things in Asia, and there was a lot more going on than I realized. There's like Herschel Martindale has been making trips into the Philippines and uh, there's some work started there. Um, there's things going on in uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, mainland China, uh, Japan. They're looking to, someone's looking to plant a church there soon. Um, Tom Short was there as well and he's been doing some work into India. There was another guy that's been doing work in India. So it was just kind of cool to hear what's going on uh, throughout Asia there. And there'll be some other meetings uh, that others will go to related to Latin America and Europe and, and things like that. And I think they're going to have a great commission, uh, Greenland or something like that down the road here. So No, just joking. Not, some Iceland, Greenland, somewhere out there. Um, 
But anyways, uh, it was it was fun to sit in on that. But I wanted to. I felt like God met me there. I was in Chicago and um, taught me some things that I, I feel like relate to us right here where we are in Denver, right uh, off the heels of this building campaign and uh, in, you know getting ready for those things that lie ahead of us here. So I thought I would just kind of share the little mini journey that God took me on that I think could might be encouraging for us as a church to go through that same little journey. But um, when we started off the time there, there was, I think there were 16, uh, 16 men there in Chicago. Again, uh, Tom Short, uh, Herschel Martindale, John Hopler were some of the national-type leaders. Uh, Craig Swing was there. Um, there was, oh, there was, I could go through the list, but uh, Doug Brown helped kind of facilitate the time. He's, um, he's leading a lot of the work that's happening in uh, Asia as it relates to China, Hong Kong, some of that. And so you've seen him probably at Faith Walkers before. Um, he shares his Doug Brown stories, which, you know, I think they call him, what do they call him? He's the Duck, duck Brown. He's like in Shadowless Duck or something like that. It's his, his code name over there. So he, his moves are so fast. It's like without shadow. But um, anyways, he led the time. One of the things he did to start off the time was um, he just talked about... Um, uh, we're talking about reaching the ends of the earth, you know, starting in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, you know, so locally, regionally, internationally, to the ends of the earth. And if we're going to be a part of doing that, he just was talking about how we need to be set apart for that work. We want to be used by God, but really, are we usable? You know, we, we want Him to use us, we want to see God do great things with us, but... Do we meet some of the qualifications God is looking for to do that? So we talked about just consecrating ourselves um, to God freshly, and uh, he led us through a little exercise on that. But um, consecrate, you know, is kind of a churchy word. It just basically means to set yourself apart um, for God, to set yourself apart for God. You might even throw in the idea of cleansing, to be cleansed for use by God, you know, and um, and. So there's different places throughout Scripture where it talks about, you know, before they got the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses had the people be consecrated before um, God would reveal himself to them and, and to Moses uh, with the Ten Commandments and stuff. Another time before the Israelites entered the Promised Land, Joshua said, um, Joshua 3, 5, he just said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. And so there's always this kind of preparing yourself for what, what God wants to do ahead of us there. And uh, in some ways we've talked about that through this campaign. I think Brad hit on a chapter uh, 19 in the book of Acts uh, earlier this summer. But it just talked about how one of the churches had responded to the gospel and they just cleansed their life of anything they thought was dishonoring to the Lord. And that ended up uh, manifesting itself and a lot of them were practicing either some form of sorcery or witchcraft and they took their scrolls they were of huge value, and they just burned them. You know, they voluntarily and publicly uh, and as an act of sacrificially, they cleansed their lives so that they could be um, used by the Lord. And so Doug led us through an exercise. There's a verse he shared that was from um, Leviticus chapter 8, verse 13. We're not going to go there, but basically it's a time where uh, Aaron, uh, uh, the priest, you know, Moses and Aaron, Aaron set apart his sons to serve the Lord, to minister to the Lord. And they went through this different uh, anointing with oil and different things. But one of the things they did, they took blood and they had they anointed the, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe of these men who were going to be set apart uh, to be used by God. And so 
Doug just led us through talking through what, what each one of those represented. You know, your ear, the right side kind of symbolically is a, uh, a side of authority, a symbolic of, um, you know, kind of an authori- uh, authoritative uh, role or a situation or whatever. Um, but uh, the ear, you know, relates to um, just hearing, hearing from God. You know, if you're going to be used by God, you need to be hearing from God. You know, and uh, and then he talked about the hand of thumb. You know, represent your hands. You know, represent just serving God. Um, and your toe or your foot represents your walk. You know, uh, are you walking? And and all these things were, are they set apart for God or are they set apart for something else? Are your your ears being used to hear from God or are they just so filled with distraction you can't hear from God at all? Your hands, you know, are designed to serve God and to serve others. But sometimes we find our hands being self-serving and, and not used and set apart for God. And um, and then also our feet. You know, are you walking in step with the Spirit, or are you walking in step with your flesh? Is your flesh kind of directing where you go? And and he just walked through. And I thought it was just interesting to, you know, I hope in your life somewhere along the way you've had a time where you just said, Lord, I'm yours. You know, you've given your life to Christ. You said, My life. You come to the understanding, hey, if, if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, really your life is not your own anymore. Um, and sometimes, maybe at a conference or different places, you go through, Lord, I'm officially giving you my life. Um, take it, set it apart for your, your use. And I hope you've gone through that. I know when I became a Christian, um, uh, what is it now, 13 years ago or something, I went through this thing where I go, you know, I want a new life. I want a fresh start. I want to just hit the reset button here. I've become a believer, I'm a new creation, but I know there's things in my life right now that I just want to eradicate. And I just went through from, uh, you know, things like, silly things maybe to some, but I went through like my uh, music collection and things like that. I had some some CDs and stuff that I I really elevated that in my heart to a place probably you might call worship, you know, if it's just, uh, it, it really just caused me to enjoy something that was... Um, you know, it was not about me and God. It was about me and me, or it was about me and how cool this band is. But I just went through my life, and I, I, uh, I don't know if I, I didn't burn them. I like I scratched all my CDs and broke them and threw them away. You know, sometimes people are like, "Well, why, why just get rid of it? Why don't you sell it or something like that?" And um, I think it comes back to like Mary's act when she took this valuable thing, precious thing, and she wasted it as an act of worship. You know, it's been a little different if she went out there and sold it and then tried to figure out how do I manage this, you know, this year's salary is worth of money that I now have. How do I get good return on it? She wasted it as an act of worship and I just wanted to worship God and I got rid of things. Anything that uh, my heart, you know, felt like the Spirit impressed on me, I tried to just eradicate it. And, and I hope you've done that. I encourage you, if you haven't done that, maybe it's time to sit down and go, Lord, is there anything in my life you want me to get rid of? Maybe I think it's okay. Maybe my roommates think it's okay. But Lord, Holy Spirit, is there anything you find unholy in my life? And and be sensitive to that and see if God would not um, bring some things up to get rid of there. But um, these are just some <clears throat> some things to think about. If you haven't done that once, you know, and just offered yourself to the Lord, I encourage you to do that. Uh, maybe when you go home today or tonight or something. But... The other thing is that I did that years ago, but I found I haven't, like, I probably needed a, a consecration checkup. So I gave you everything, Lord, but how's things going today? You know, is everything still yours? Or are there some things I'm using again to serve self instead of serving you or uh, serving my brothers and sisters? Or, 
you know, and so Doug led us through this thing talking about our ears, you know, are they, um, and I was just reminded of that siren I sent out a while back that just was like, sometimes I find myself asking God, God, could you just turn the volume up so I could hear you better? I know you have the ability to just turn it so loud that I cannot help but hear you. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me. He's like, you know, uh, what sort of relationship would that make? You get to keep your hard heart. You get to keep all your distractions. And you want to hear from me too. Well, that'd be nice. Um, but that's not the sort of relationship God wants with us. And He wants us to turn down uh, the things in our lives that are, are uh, drowning out His voice. And how, how are your ears doing for the Lord? Are you, you hearing from Him? Or do you got other things that keep you so distracted, anesthetized, entertained that you cannot hear from the Lord? Um, check your ears, your hands. Are they serving others? Are they serving yourself? Are you, uh, you know, serving the Lord, loving the Lord, loving your believers, building up brothers and sisters, reaching the lost? Are you using your hands to meet your own needs, to satisfy yourself? instead of being set apart for the Lord with your hands, your feet. Again, check, are you walking in the flesh or not? Um, another one I thought about was your eyes. You know, it's um, our eyes. Everything we have is the Lord's, and it's designed to be used for loving Him or loving others. But uh, when we have something that's not being used for that, we, it's often because it's being used for something else. I think about there's a verse in the letter of 1 John chapter 2. It talks about the lust of the eyes. Our eyes are, are to be used for the Lord. The Lord wants to use our eyes to look out with compassion. You know, I think about Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he saw it, said he saw the city and he wept, you know. You know, if you're looking out over a city and you're seeing, wow, that's just really cool and entertaining. That's cool buildings. Those are sweet cars. Oh, that person's attractive over there. If there's the lust of the world in your eyes, you will not see things how the way the Lord wants you to see them with eyes of compassion. You can't both have a lust for the things of the world and a compassion for the lost and a love for the Lord at the same time. And how are your eyes doing? How about your mind? You know, um, our minds are, are given to us to love God with and to love others with and to think about how we can love God better and to think about how we can love others better. Is your mind set apart to the Lord or, or has it got other things going on in there that, um, you know, the Lord might not honor God? Um, the mind... Um, Every instrument, every part of our body, and the heart is another one I think of. What's going on in your heart? You know, is it is it the Lord's? You know, you want to fill the things that God fills and have that compassion and that love and the passion. Or are there other things on your heart that are taking up capacity? Um, and you know, we just walked through some of these things. We were given some time on our own to just search our hearts. But I just encourage you to check your life over. Maybe that's going to be one part of this morning here before we break bread. Is just check what's going on with all of your life and all of your body, is it set apart for the Lord or do you need to maybe re-consecrate some areas there and acknowledge to God, hey, I haven't been giving you that area of my life, but I want to give it to you again. Um, I encourage you to think through that. And your heart, you know, again, the heart is something, sometimes we think about percentages with the heart. You know, I'm giving the Lord 90% of my heart. That's pretty awesome, you know. Um, But if you think about it in the context of a loving relationship, you know, just imagine you have this spouse that you love, that you are passionate about, and you give them 90% of your heart, and 10% goes to some other person, uh, you know, that you're romantically involved with. You know, does that sit peacefully with you? Yeah, you got 90%, my main lover, and 10% over here. You know, the Lord says, uh, you adulterous people to us. He says, if you have friendship with the world, it's like you're committing adultery. He, he wants you 
to have uh, your whole heart given to Him. Not given to any other less uh, wild and less fitting lovers than your Savior. You know, so take some time here. We're gonna we're gonna break bread, and I just want to encourage you to think through anything that maybe God brings to mind. You're not gonna have to come to a confessional or, or announce it in front of the church or anything, but uh, I encourage each one of you to search your heart and see if there's things you need to give back to the Lord. You know, I think in some ways we're getting ready to get our hands dirty on this building and get to work and continue to build God's kingdom, but I think before we do that, I think God wants us to make sure we got clean hands uh, before we get our hands dirty on this, with this work here, you know. And so I'm going to give you just a few minutes to search your heart, to listen um, to God on this, and then we're going to break bread and um, and we're just going to give thanks for how God has cleansed us and how His blood cleanses us and remind ourselves about that. But before we get to that, I want to make sure you um, connect with the Lord here. So I want to just give you a minute or two. Think about your life. Think through it. Ask God to reveal anything that you might need to give back to Him to be useful, to be set apart for His glory, for His His holy purposes. I'll give you a minute here and then we'll uh, continue with communion. guys would um, open your Bibles with me. We're just going to look at the passage on the, the Last Supper and, and do that together here. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is the, the one we'll look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse uh, 23. 
we'll just read this together and uh, practice remembering the Lord and what He's done for us here. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. It goes on to say, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So we're just going to continue here. I think we were kind of doing some examining. Maybe there's some things that um, we want to bring before the Lord here as as we go through this. But um, I think one of the, the things that stands out to me just to draw out this morning on this is how it talks about this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you, you drink it. And just one of the things to think about is that there's another verse in... First John chapter one that talks about his blood, but uh, I when I break bread, I just like to we we broke bread while we were out there in Chicago as well after just examining ourselves and freshly consecrating ourselves to the Lord. Um, but this is one of the verses I'm encouraged by. It says First um, John chapter one verse seven. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. And just that phrase there, that the blood of Je- Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Other, I think the NAS says, cleanses us from all sin. And when we do this, we just kind of remember, it's not like we're freshly cleansed and, uh, you know, now we could go to heaven, but before that we couldn't. Or, But it's just a reminder of the cleansing that we have already in Christ. His blood was already shed um, 2,000 years ago. It's not like any more gets let out today uh, for covering everything that's on our hearts. But we just celebrate what He's done for us. He has cleansed us. And anything, any area that you feel like any conviction of or um, sin in, just uh, I think it's good to confess that. And, and even here, as we break bread, you just might confess, hey Lord, I have been sinning against you in that area. And But then move from there and even into repenting. Hey Lord, I have been sinning in there and I'm turning away from that. I'm turning over control to you again in that area. And then the last part is just even just giving thanks. You know, Thank you for doing that. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that I am cleansed. I am holy and righteous. And um, So we just want to remember that here this morning as we break bread. We, we are forgiven. We are cleansed. We can get on with the Lord's work. You know, if you have an area in your life where... Um, that every time you break bread is the same area showing up again. You might start thinking about, hey, maybe I am saying I've given that area to God, I've consecrated that, but maybe I haven't because it keeps showing up every time I break bread. I think uh, if we, we truly repent and with the Lord's help, He would expect changes in those areas. you know. And so if you find the same area showing up again and again, I encourage you to thank God for your forgiveness in it, but you might even get help. You might freshly touch base with your accountability partner or your spouse or whoever it might be that um, you, you share that those with. But I encourage you to make sure you're 
you're getting victory in these areas. I, I know a story of a guy that was um, broke bread. He's a guy I know personally, but um, broke bread for um, always probably been breaking bread and celebrating the Lord's Supper for I think it was over 14 years. He was doing that, and he was a part of an adulterous relationship. And for 14 years, every time they broke bread in the church, he was breaking bread, thanking God for the forgiveness and continuing in his immoral relationship. And I think sometimes uh, we can do that too. We go, Lord, I'm confessing my sins to you. Nobody else knows about them, but you forgive me. Great, let's keep moving. Lord, here I am again confessing the same sins that I've told nobody about. Um, And uh, God wants us to walk in the light. And sometimes the light is sharing those struggles with others around you. You know, whether it's... uh, you're someone on your small group, your house church, one of us as pastors, but we just want to make sure that we're all walking um, in the light, consecrated to the Lord, not uh, just hitting the reset button every time this happens and, and keeping an adulterous relationship going on for years. You know, um, So I just encourage you, examine yourself. Don't, don't take this in an unworthy manner here um, this morning. And, um, and like I say, you know, if you feel like there's an area... Maybe you really need to open up to another person. I encourage you to do that. You know, it's not going to be a part of getting you into heaven or not, but it will be a part of getting you maybe some victory in this life uh, in that area. So let's just take time here. Uh, Jeremy's going to provide a little background music, and we'll just, whenever you feel like it, get up and go to the back and grab grab some of the bread and grab a cup, and you might just sit down in your seat and take that... uh, take that when you feel ready to, but I'm just going to go ahead and pray, and and we'll just make our way back there yeah, as the Lord leads. <clears throat> well, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we do thank you that we can remember this, Lord, that we could break bread every day, and it would not be too much, Lord. Here we are, I think we're having communion twice in one week, Lord, which is uh, probably the first time in the history of the church we've done that, Lord, and uh, we just celebrate what you've done for us again today, and we thank you that your blood has cleansed us, and we do remember you today, Lord Jesus, and, and I just pray, Lord, that you would help not, not only set us apart individually and have our lives cleansed, but as a church, Lord, I pray that we would be a useful vessel to you to build your kingdom, to see things moved forward, to see eternity changed, that help us to be set apart to you, even as a whole church. Um, But we we do remember you this morning, Lord Jesus. We thank you for shedding your blood for us. We thank you that it cleanses us from all sin, past, present, future, sin we've done, sin that's been done to us. We thank you. We are cleansed by your blood. We remember you this morning. And we just praise you, um, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.
Okay. Keep going here. Um, at our uh, our time there in, in Chicago, uh, we, we transitioned, we broke bread, and then went on to give reports about different things that God was doing in the different parts of Asia there, just some amazing stories and opportunities. And um, some people were there because they were... Uh, they had already had connections into Asia, and they have things that God is doing, and um, they're reporting back on those things. Some people were there. I, I was there. I felt like more like just exploring. Like we almost went to Asia last year. Lord, what are you going to do with our church as it relates to international opportunities? Um, you know, we continued to pray about that. But um, so in some ways, those who had opportunities out there were looking at those like me. I was about me and another guy were the only ones that weren't already a part of things, so I felt like we were recruited into a number of different directions. It was kind of fun. They got into a little, you know, going to the highest bidder sort of situation there. It was kind of... But, um, you know, Herschel Martindale's in the Philippines there, and they're really... He's just talking about how he's trying to get back to the basics with these uh, Filipinos, of just the basics of following Christ and being disciples and sharing the gospel and, and reading things and not only just knowing them, but actually doing them life transformation and Craig Swing was talking about all the different opportunities in uh, Hong Kong and other places um, he told me about one situation there and uh, it's across the uh, across the way there from Hong Kong but there's an island that's near uh, the mainland of China there and it's uh, the island is basically it contains something that's called a it's called a, I don't know if it's the Mega University of China or a Mega University of China, but it's Mega University is the term that's used for it. It's kind of like a kind of like a rarea, um, only bigger. Um, there's like I think there's 80 universities on this island, and the island has uh, one million students on the island there. It's like its own world, you know. Craig said there's nothing in the U.S. that is even similar to it. You know, one million students on an island with all these different buildings and, uh, you know, I think they've got some fields and different things like that. But uh, anyway, they were just talking through things. I was just pretty uh, blown away. But one of the themes that I caught when everyone was sharing is just they are talking about how they're trying to do the basics, the basics of the Christian life in another country, in another culture. And um, it just reminded me of what we have before us here. We're talking about building this warehouse and we're talking about building God's kingdom but one of the things I was freshly reminded of is um, really I think one of the fundamental building blocks of God's kingdom is is disciples you know Jesus said uh, in in Matthew 28 there he said therefore go and make disciples of all nations you know baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I commanded but he could have said a lot of things there he said he could have said go and make uh, converts or go and make Christians or go and make um, a lot of different things. But he said, go, you want to build the kingdom, go and make disciples. And a disciple is like a building block of God's kingdom and where someone's heart has, has come to Christ and where they've offered their lives back to follow Christ. Um, and God wants those throughout the world. But, you know, I think sometimes it's, it, it's easy to go, you know, if I go to another country, I bet I can make a disciple there. I bet I could share the gospel effectively there. It's a little tough around here. I'm so busy. I'm so, you know, whatever. But I bet I could do it over there. And it's, it's just kind of a shallow, I think, a foolish thinking in some ways to go, yeah, let me see. We'll go to another culture, 
likely with another language, and somehow I'm going to communicate this message better there and do a better job of making disciples there. And I just, a lot of ways, it came back to how are you doing here? Are you making disciples here? Are you living as a disciple here? Um, and I think God wants us just to be um, sold-out disciples here, and we can trust that you know if He, if he gives us a, a way of doing that together here, we could do that other places, but if we can't do that effectively here, there's no way we're going to bridge all these different other barriers and somehow get more effective along the way, you know. And so um, one of the stories I was told was just pretty challenging and convicting. Um, I, I came across this verse in one of my quiet times. It was, um, I think it's at the end of Colossians there, but then uh, one of the guys shared a story that I thought just resonated well with it. But um, the last chapter of Colossians, second to last verse, uh, you know, Paul's writing, and he says to this one guy, um, it's Archippus, um, and he says, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. He's talking to this guy, and he said, hey, see to it that you've completed the work the Lord's given you to do. Make sure you complete it. Um, I think there's a tendency, I don't know what specifically he was talking about, but I think to us we can go, God's given us the work of the Great Commission and reaching your Jerusalem and your Judea and Samaria and reaching to the ends of the earth and see to it that you complete that work. Like, I actually want to see it done. You know, it wasn't just this pie-in-the-sky vision. Hey, go reach the world. That'll keep you busy for a while. Um, I think that Jesus actually meant to see it completed. And one of the stories that was shared by Craig Swing, he was talking about over the course of different events last summer, they met this guy that's um, a pastor, a, a, a group of cell churches. Um, you know, they... They are not able to meet in one central location just because of persecution from the government and things. So they had these different cells. I think a cell could range from 10 to 20 people. Generally, they said they try to keep them down closer to 10 because more than that, neighbors would start to notice people showing up for meetings and things like that. And he said uh, there, um, uh, at one point, I think they had had, in this one city, uh, they had had 70 cells in that city. And the pastor was telling Craig and these guys, um, well, you know, recently there's been some crackdowns on, on these cells, and uh, now we, we were at 70, now we're down to 40, and a number of people are in prison and no longer leading their, their cells. But he said, um, through the conversation, you know, the city that they were in, that city had um, 700,000 people in it, and the pastor was talking to Craig, and, and he said, you know, um, we're, uh, he kind of was sharing it in a, like they still had some work to do, but he said in the last, I think it's somewhere seven to nine years where they've been doing these cells in the city there, um, he conveyed that they had probably shared the gospel with 400,000 of the 700,000 people in that city. 400,000. And he's like, but you know, we got, we still got 300 more to go, you know, 300,000 more people to reach. And, uh, and he shared it very matter-of-factly, like we've been told to do this now let's do it, you know. And um, he said they, they had some very simple things there. When someone gets saved, they learn how to share their testimony, and they write it out. And then they, um, they're they equipped with how to share the gospel, some, you know, I think a bridge sort of thing. And then they make a list of people who they should start sharing with. And then they start sharing. And uh, 700,000 people have had the gospel shared with them through these cells and the people there. And he said they encourage uh, kind of the bar they set for members of their cell church is that um, they, they ask everyone to share the gospel with 15 people a week. 
15 people a week is what the, the bar is for them. And he said, if, if you're not doing that, it's kind of like you're on the fringe. You're, you're not really a part of the church unless you're sharing with 15 people a week. You know, and, and I was just going, ah, you know, I don't know if anyone in our room here, including me and Jeff and Brad, and are sharing 15 times a week, 15 people a week, you know, and, We'd be on the fringe in China. Sometimes we think, we'll go, we're, we're diehard disciples, we'll go reach the world, and we show up in that church, you and I are on the fringe. You know, um, and sometimes we get a hard time, uh, oh, one of the criticisms we can have as a church sometimes is, you guys are so outreach focused, you guys just always talk about reaching the lost, and boy, I'm tired of hearing that, I feel so convicted all the time, and I go, well, you know, these guys are sharing their goal is to share it's just like a standard thing that you share 15 people a week is the goal um, you know I wonder if some way that the bar has been dropped we're supposed to reach the world we're supposed to reach the ends of the earth we're supposed to reach our Jerusalem and, and I wonder if we've kind of just said you know that's just way too big let's just aim a lot smaller than that but I, I was just freshly you know challenged by the idea that we are called to make disciples of all nations and we're going to start right here in Denver, in the Highland neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we don't need a we don't need a million-person campus. we got 40,000 to reach still. You know, that's a long way from a million. Can't reach a million if we can't reach 40,000. You know, I think we got a lot of work to do in the neighborhood. And But I, I think, you know, there might be a time where God takes us through as, as we go through this process of this building campaign of maybe um, uh, rediscovering who we are as a church and what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, I think in some ways we know what it is, but in other ways uh, I think we might need to take some steps to get re-equipped and re-envisioned and re, um, I don't know, re-fired up about it all uh, again. But I, I was just challenged by some of the things that God's doing in these other places and um, what God wants us to do right here is just get back to the basics and making disciples. And, and really we're going to start a series here. We were going to start it today. I think we'll start it next week. But really it's um, a series... I'd like to call the road less traveled, but the idea is just going to be when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, um, you know, he said that there's a gate out there that's wide and there's many people going on it and it's leading to destruction, but he has a way that's, that's narrow. And on that road, there are not many on it. And those are the ones who find life. And I think as a disciple in this day and age, in this city where we live, I think Jesus has a, a road that he wants us to walk on as we follow him, a road that will be less traveled, um, and it's a road that has unique facets and different phases of life. There's ways of following Jesus as a single person that um, are unique to some of the ways a married person would follow Jesus. And there's some ways that a, a parent with a family would follow Jesus that, uh, you know, there's some more verses to carry out when you're a parent that a single person doesn't have to carry out. And, and there's some things about being a disciple of Jesus that are universal. All the disciples are supposed to be marked with a cross, carrying a cross in this world that that the rest of the world would look down shamefully on. Uh, we're all supposed to be denying ourselves, whether you're single, married, or with kids, uh, parents. We're to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. And we're going to look at some just some unique phases of life where um, how we can follow Jesus as disciples. And we're going to kind of go through them together. Though we're not each in, in those phases, we are together as a whole. We cover those phases. Sometimes I think it would be good for a married couple to go, you know what? I didn't, maybe I didn't follow the Lord when I was a single person. It would be good to hear what the goal is. How can I encourage these brothers and sisters who aren't married yet? Or, or you know, some different... I think it would just be good as a whole to go, you know, here's what, 
we feel like following Jesus from the Scriptures look like in these different phases, and we can encourage one another in that, and we can spur one another on, and we can do it as a whole church. So um, we're going to start that um, next week there, and especially you know related to following Christ on the road less traveled as a as a single person. We're going to look at some things there, and then we're going to look at some of these different phases. We might have a few of you. Um, we just might ask you to do a few little a slice of life here and there. How as the person in that phase how some of that's playing out for you, for your uh, marriage or your family or um, in your single life here. And so, But anyways, be praying about that. Be praying about uh, being a disciple and following Christ and understanding that, you, that you, we might all hear from the Lord on how to follow Him freshly in, these, you know, in this uh, crazy world we're living in here. So anyways, let's pray. We will call it, call it here this morning and get on our way.